0: Welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the center of enterprise IT. Joining us this week is John Collins, as uh, an analyst at GigaOM. He's been an analyst for 22 years, but before that, he's keen to let everyone know he had a real job running and advising on IT systems delivery. And his raison d'etre is to make complex topics simple and help organizations get value out of tech. When he's not writing for a living, he'll be writing something else, apparently. So welcome to the show, John.
1: Thank you. Yeah, uh, we'll see how we get on with that raison d'etre, won't we?
0: Indeed. And uh, on the hosting side this week, we have Lilac and Zach, Mike sends his apologies. So as we've intimated on the show before, this is going to be cloud month for us. So we want to talk about all things cloud. And so we thought that was a good Vague, nebulous uh, topic to start off with. John, is cloud still any sort of useful category, or has it got to the point of just being how things are done?
1: I, I, I think the word's still useful. Um, the, um, I, I, sh- I should uh, give you full disclosure. I was never a great fan of this uh, concept of moving to the cloud, hmm. and I think it was it was a marketing uh, led. Uh, principle that everything in in house is hard and everything outside house is is easy and all you have to do is move from one state to the other and everything will be rosy, and I didn't I didn't buy into that fully uh, and uh, I think what we're seeing today is essentially uh, cloud enabled architectures becoming prevalent everywhere, uh, and that's driven by. Um, the ability—I mean, if you look at AWS Outposts or the, the ability to actually move cloud-based services into in, in, into enterprise on-premise uh, areas, and also things like Kubernetes and containerization that enable enable you to to build cloud-like stuff or cloud is not cloud-like; it is what they're using in the cloud uh, where, wherever you like. So, so the notion is absolutely valid. Uh, the location, but less so.
0: So it's a consumption model rather than somebody else's data center is the important part.
1: Pretty much spot on. Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: I don't know. I just keep feeling like, like the cloud conversations I'm part of require asterisks and nuances these days, right? There's every conversation I'm part of, and admittedly I'm on the vendor side, is, you know, so when you say cloud, do you mean multi-tenant hosted software? Do you mean single-tenant hosted software? Do you mean bring your own cloud software? And then in which case, which cloud do you support? Or are you talking about a private cloud implementation? Does that count too? And every time we're, we're talking about, it's like every single flavor has to be brought up and either opted in or out of in whatever conversation I'm part of, which I'm finding, perhaps slightly tedious or maybe increasingly so
1: this may be a digression but bear with me I, I'm, I'm reminded of the sky mall catalog uh, which used to be a, a, a thing on uh, um, uh, airlines uh, flying around the u.s uh, back when we the, used
0: to leave our home offices yes
1: it, exactly and and uh, back where, before the internet and it was the the most fantastic catalog of stuff that no one ever needed and my favorite phrase from that that i ever read was Unlike other marshmallow launchers, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the differentiation is everything. I mean, it, it, if 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 the IT industry was into ice cream, uh, they would be kind of making different flavors of tutti frutti, wouldn't they? It, it, it's um, which is part of the problem. Um, so, so I, I completely agree with you uh, that that it's that it's tedious um, and distracting and confusing for everybody. Um, I don't know the answer. I'm just, I just, I, I feel your pain. That's that's all I got.
2: Thank you. I feel seen. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it as well. The the arguments about, oh, it's just someone else's data center. It's it's so two thousand ten. And and that and that, and meanwhile, we've all been trying to get back to well, lilac stomping grounds uh, to having the mainframe and the consumption pricing and everything, that's basically what we're all about, isn't it?
2: 1975 was amazing.
0: I wouldn't know. Oh, well, <gasps> 1975.
2: <laughs> Neither would I, Dominic.
0: <laughs> I had to say that.
2: So, John, don't you think
3: decision-making, right? So the decision-makers, is this changing the dynamics of, of the cloud push? And by the way, to me, SaaS is cloud. And I think SaaS is a a big reason uh, for this movement but i'm just curious what you're seeing there
1: um the the answer is absolutely yes um and um the the reality is that digital transformation has come at a cost to the power centers of it and that's for very good reason uh, so the idea, uh, and I can remember these conversations back in the day where uh, it was just kind of assumed that technology was too hard and you needed specialists to deal with it. And and so you'd hear the phrase, oh, well, that's an IT problem. You know, IT, sort it out kind of thing. And what we're seeing today is an absence of that phrase. It, it noth- It's not seen as an IT problem. It's not that IT is seen as, because the other big thing that we always used to discuss was uh, whether CIOs CIO should have a place on the board. It's not that IT has matured enough to become a business level thing. It's more the other way around. It's that business has uh, evolved to the extent that it recognizes technology as a tool for everyone and for everywhere. Salesforce
0: adoption is not an IT project.
1: Exactly. And and there's there's huge ramifications there. I mean, you you touched on Salesforce. We, We did some work, for example, for a company called Provar which is a, a Salesforce testing uh, platform. And uh, the areas of what I loosely call governance, like testing and risk management and uh, doing things right and having a methodology and all, all that kind of mushy stuff uh, is still very much seen as someone else's problem. So so we've ended up in this place where everyone thinks they can do tech, but they don't wanna do the, the the hard bits. Uh, they they they, they want to do the fun stuff, and that makes for some some curious dynamics. Let's say,
0: yeah, this is where the shadow IT, the people decrying shadow IT, get proved right because it turns out everyone wants to to build. Nobody wants to you know keep okay. the streets clean and run the sewers and pick up the the rubbish,
2: and handle the compliance audits.
0: Yeah, that's even worse than the sewers and the rubbish, and that to me is where low code and no code is not yet ready for prime time because by and large with some exceptions beginning to emerge but by and large it doesn't yet deal with any of the hard stuff it doesn't deal with versioning it doesn't deal with compliance it deals security and performance it's kind of its own isolated thing and oh cool you can drag and drop a fisher price colored blocks around and connect them up into workflow and that's great and then for serious stuff You go either into deeper IT, proper, and I'm doing the the air quotes here, uh, proper developer stuff, or if you're a business type, Excel, which still runs massive portions of businesses everywhere.
3: Well, I'm curious what John's take is on this. I mean, I think you're right to an extent, right? I think backend as a service has to, you know, some of the backend stuff has to come up to speed. But look at companies like Domino's, right? Very successful stock rise the last 10 years. I mean, I have like a little button you push to order a pizza, no code, right? So I don't know. Is it ready? I mean, some companies seem to be using it, but what what do you see, John, out there? Do you, do you think it's truly not ready? I mean, some businesses are running parts of their business, I think, with, with some of this coding.
1: Here's another tangent, um, which which uh, I'll loop back in. Um, I'm sure we're all the same, that we have some standard slides that we use in every presentation we do. And that. that that set of slides evolves and changes. And then suddenly we go back to an old presentation. Oh, I remember giving that presentation over and over again. Uh, at the moment, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, the, the you know, uh, copyright Disney, is, is, is one of my favorite slides. Um, because we, we've, we've created loads of Sorcerer's Apprentices. Uh, and everyone creates brooms. And then they're all kind of going, oh, my God, how do I cope with this volume of uh, wonder that I've now created? And then they need the wizard to come in uh, uh, to to kind of solve solve the problems they've created. So, so I I, I think actually to uh, the democratization of sorcery is a good thing. Um, I think that almost inevitably that then goes through uh, a, a pseudo maturity model where people start by thinking this is the best thing ever. They they then go through the phase of creating all the things that they've always wanted to create. They then realize that they've created a monster and they can't control it and it's a multi-headed hydra. And then they go, uh, it's an IT problem. Uh, and, uh, and and everything yeah. comes
0: together again. And we reinvent everything, yeah. Because that, that's kind of been the the current swing of the pendulum seems to be very much in the direction. Uh, the New Kingmakers was uh, one of the uh, the early reports around this and so Developers having much more sway and de- team and department level purchasing rather than top-down purchasing. And I think it's generally accepted that that's no longer the case, uh, that uh, that it's no longer centralized purchasing, that this team and department level purchasing is where it's at. And I do wonder, as you say, whether would you, in however many years, swing back as all of this disconnected stuff Uh, gets too disconnected to manage and oh we need someone to manage everything Uh, and it comes back to some centralized IT service.
2: But I just don't understand why vendors and I say this with humility of being a vendor can't like there we don't even attempt to to differentiate on playing well with the enterprise like that's just not you know every lever of differentiation seems to be low code, no code, newfangled widget, Mr. Random Person, you can stand up a thing. Um, and not like, I wonder if there's an opportunity in this particular cycle of the same thing that we have seen low these many years, right? Every 10 years we go through this cycle. Can we, can we possibly get it together and say, actually, we're not just cool for you, but we're also going to build the features that make the the rest of your organization not hate you for having built this hydra?
0: Or the key differentiator that we used to talk about back in the BladeLogic days, we keep your CFO out of jail and your CEO out of the front page of the newspaper. Yeah, also <laughs> a great
2: value, right? Like it just, it doesn't, I think that, and this is perhaps the, the hubris of being in an old, older company with a lot of these like things that pop to our mind. We think about governance and we think about audits and we think about enterprise tech a great deal. And when we do that, you know, every single question is, and, and how do we, and how do we log that? Right? <laughs> how do we prove that? And how do we do that? And I wonder if a, a little bit more um, ops and sec ops stuff baked into the, the new technologies would not go a long way toward, I guess, lowering the band of this cycles drama.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the the trouble is i guess that we're in a fantastic i mean we are in the innovation age or whatever you want to call it and and uh uh if there's a wave and someone creates the right surfboard at the right moment they will shoot ahead of everyone else uh and with you know like social media we're seeing this again and again where you, you just you know suddenly un- you know, these unheard of uh ways of using technology kind of um become billion dollar companies and so on and and everyone wants to be the next one of those um, and I think that need to kind of get ahead uh, is what drives business I mean I, I don't want to kind of drill into any particular area but what Facebook's done for example is become really successful and then followed up with governance uh, and it could be argued that they've still got a lot of more work to do and uh, I think we'd all possibly uh head in that direction uh but uh that's certainly a valid business model. aws as well you know let's let's just create everything and then let's start worrying about FinOps and cloud economics and, and all those things like uh, and someone at an aws conference said um uh, we never said it would be cheaper and i'm like i 'm pretty you, sure you did actually yeah, i 'm pretty sure
2: yeah. that was your tagline for like a decade
1: you, you, you literally did um, but so but again <laughs> and you, you can't, you can 't fault the approach of let 's let's let 's um, let's build it first and then let 's worry about the ramifications of that afterwards because that 's how that 's how success is happening
0: yeah, that was one of my takeaways from reinvent as uh, adam Solipsky's keynote was very much not an Andy Jassy keynote of the endless parade of products. He was trying to tell a unified story. And the actual technical product roadmap didn't quite line up with that. There was still a whole lot of skews behind that. But you do wonder, you know, given another year, uh, assuming next December we're, we're back in Vegas and that's all up at home again, you have to wonder what that keynote's going to look like.
3: I'm curious, John, what, what you what you find in your research around what's going to drive cloud going forward. Do you think it will be AI or, you know, you look at the earnings from these three cloud, the three big ones at least, right? AWS, Google, and uh, and Microsoft. There's a lot of growth
1: still going on, tremendous growth. What's going to fuel it going forward? Do you think in the next three to five years, if if anything? I think they're all playing into into Lilac's hands, really. Here, uh, in that, the the new business opportunity card has been played. Um, the digital transformation card has been played. And then there's still a complete open, f- open uh, field, if you like in uh, existing business. Uh, so the stuff that's still running on, running on the mainframe, the stuff that's uh, still, still making Ford Motor Company run, that's still making uh, a GlaxoSmithKline run, that's still making City uh, um, Citibank run. All of that stuff is largely unchanged, um, and uh, none of those companies are going to become the next Netflix. So, the big opportunity is on premise, or it's, uh, and we're seeing this from Google, we're seeing this from Microsoft, seeing it from AWS. Uh, they've 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 done everything they can to get people into their clouds, and now, and that's like twenty percent of the, the the spend, and now they want the other eighty percent. And why wouldn't they? Um, and in you know, in different cases. Uh, they've already got some of that spend, or they haven't, but certainly that—that's the next battleground, as I see it.
2: I, I think I'm going to be inclined to agree with you. I think the—the the challenge with the way that cloud was born was that it was fundamentally an infrastructure play, right? Like, how do we—and and over time, AWS and Google and Azure have built up platform as a service, essentially. Right now, you're buying platform as a service, but—but but that the infrastructure play took the low-hanging fruit of easy migrations into the cloud where you wanted to shift your spend from CapEx to OpEx, great, hallelujah. But the minute that you actually are shifting to the higher value platform story, there's a re-architecture component that is a little bit more tricky when you're dealing with the footprint of a, of a major financial institution. And and that migration and that change means that I think I think the cloud vendors are gonna have to consider how do you break into a market where you're essentially extreme brownfield right? This is the most brownfield situation. This isn't net new Netflix greenfield glory, which is huge and profitable. But if you want the brownfield, you, there's a, you know, Dominic and I have been playing in that those markets for years. And that's a very, very different sales process.
1: hundred mm-hmm. percent agree. And and then uh, as I said, I, I I think the thing that the cloud has brought, the, there's so many, uh, amazing, um, Ways that we now have to architect massively distributed service architectures that were just not possible in an on-premise way. So the only caveat I would put on it is that the the kind of move to the cloud world, build bring a lot of it built on open source and on um, uh, NoSQL databases, and yeah, it allowed for completely different ways of doing things to be seen as the norm. And it allowed for completely new types of business to be formed on the back of that. And uh, so it's not that we're all going to kind of revert back to the old ways. It's more that the, those new ways now could be mapped into that. Yeah. It's extreme brownfield. Absolutely. How, how do we take, uh, and it's, I guess it's a new spin on the term hybrid as well Um, because you know, back in 2007 hybrid was, well, you can't do it all out there. You're gonna to have to do some of it in here. So you need to make the two work together. This is more uh you wanna do it all like you do it out there. Uh you've got to work with what you've got in here. Um, yeah, like data flows in and out of mainframe, for example, um, uh, are extremely um tricky. Uh yes. so so um uh th- those kinds of characteristics are are the playing field that, that you've gotta you've gotta work out how to change your software to fit.
2: May, may I just sort of stick a little rant in here that like, that's actually a really interesting and hard problem, right? It's it's actually something that I personally find quite compelling. And I'm, I, the kids today just don't seem to see it. And I think that's part of the problem with our industry in general is that, is that the, those kids today, I'm shaking my fist at like the kids on the lawn, but like, they you know, get off my lawn and consider the reality of IT infrastructures. <laughs> and like, and there's actually it's fascinating what's in there. Um, and the problems are intractably difficult and therefore fun. And I just, uh, kids today and their iPhone apps, I'm just going to shake my fist at them. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. I needed that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely right. There is this assumption very often that when you look at something and you can't understand why it is the way it is, you just, ah, oh, those idiots, They they did it wrong. And even more so when, the idiots in in question are some distance in the past. And you can say, oh, they didn't know any better, poor them. And there's often actually a very good reason why systems are the way they are. And sometimes that is, there was a technological constraint at the time that no longer exists. And the right answer is throw it out and re-architect it. And sometimes the reason is a business reason, a legal reason, a compliance reason, just structure of uh, the thing that we're trying to do rather than of the tools we have to do it with and understanding the difference and the nuances is kind of important to be successful there
3: i mean, look i mean if i were running a business i would go from the far right down right i would look at SaaS. i'm sorry like i would i wouldn't look at mainframes right i would look at what i could throw in there from sas you're, you're lost
2: when
3: we when we talk cloud we always talk about you know the big three and we talk about infrastructure I, I i don't agree i think microsoft is solving problems right they if you count office and some of the other applications you could argue that you know aws might just be compute in the cloud i would agree with that But I would, I would say that I would, I would go from the far right on. We we don't, we don't really talk about SaaS. We talk about cloud. We should, they are solving problems, whether we like it or not. This is the direction and business is making that the direction. And so, um, you know, we're stuck in our digital transformation world. They're, they're transforming their business and that's vastly more disruptive. And and there's a lot going on there. So I'm just going to be cautious. So the audience knows that I, I I don't, I don't completely agree. I mean, I, I can sit here and, 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 um, and say a lot of the stuff that i think we need to i don't know at least be a little cognizant of what's going on there because it's not going to go away it's going to change how a lot of things are are being uh performed inside these businesses
0: oh yeah i think it's a both and i'm very much on board with for instance serverless i think serverless is still at the building wave stage they're coming back to your, your point about waves and catching them I think the right business to be in, in that world is the business of manufacturing surfboards, <laughs> which is where as, uh, product marketing uh, people come in. But and, you know, a more serious point, uh, I think you know, serverless models are going to be with us for, for a long time. But the thing that is going to make or break any individual serverless offering is not the tech. We've pretty much figured out the tech, you know, modulo, some details. It's uh, got some work to do, but it's the pricing models. The idea of something that has unbounded pricing, if, uh, you know, showing my age for a moment, but you get slash dotted, does that mean that you now owe Amazon a billion dollars because your your site, you know, your Wordle uh, running on some serverless infrastructure hits the front page and everyone's trying to play it? That could be a problem. Vice versa, you know, is the right answer that you cut off the, the audience right at the moment that the world is beating a path to your door, that could be just as bad. And, but these are no longer tech questions. These are pricing and policy and uh, business products development questions that cannot be, looping back to the beginning, taken just by IT. I want to say yeah,
1: Zach, but actually I agree with both. Uh, I agree with everyone. Uh, if I <laughs> um, <clears throat> spot the analyst, uh, I, yes, I know. Yes, yeah, all just, right. <laughs> just, just just throw in and it depends. And we've collected the bingo card, haven't we? It, there we go. Uh, uh, I I think it, it's interesting looking at serverless, for example. When I first saw serverless, software, and I'm a I'm a great. Um, uh, um, I'm a living, breathing example of imposter syndrome. I've worked in loads of areas of tech and I still kind of look at new things or you know, new or repackaged things and think, oh, my goodness, I don't understand this. Everyone's far smarter than I. And I, so I looked at serverless and thought, wow, this is really clever. And everyone was te- And then what was happening in the middle of the rhetoric was they said, well, yeah, states doesn't matter. And, and they, they were talking about the stateful architectures and, and so on and and, and I thought, hang on, what you're saying is, Serverless is really great when you don't care about data. Uh, and and then I was scratching my head and thought, but what about all those use cases where you do care about data? What do you...? and and what we've seen since that initial um, uh, uh, kind of evangelism of Serverless is a uh, there's been some scenarios that it's absolutely perfect for um, in in that kind of stateless world and b then there's been platforms built over the past couple of years um you know the port and so on that uh have enabled a link between that very kind of um event driven world and a much more um stateful world as the parlance goes, so that had to be built uh in order to make it all work together, and then I thought, ah, oh, finally, I understand it, and I can stop worrying about my uh imposter syndrome until the next time it comes around but it, it, it's just kind of it, it it it's often what what is being missed out in those initial kool-aid driven elements so while i agree with you zach i think it's it's kind of yeah SAS is fantastic but then i'm always thinking what am what is it that whoever is talking about something what is it that they're not talking about right now because it's a, it's a hard problem that they're gonna have to solve later
0: yeah move fast and break things coin a phrase. So something else that uh, came up as we're planning out this episode, which is the the land and expand uh, strategy. And that's been a big part of the, the rollout of cloud is that it makes that much, much easier for an individual team to go off and stand up a thing that they want to use for their own individual purposes. And vendors are quite happy to supply that small initial quantity because they have a strategy which is then to expand from that beachhead by saying hey your colleagues in team a did this and look at them they all got their bonuses they get to go home at 5 p.m on friday instead of uh, having to burn the midnight oil wouldn't you like to do the thing and then once you've got two or three teams doing it you can go to as a big boss in the corner office and say look you've got three teams doing this in different isolated parts of uh, of your world you should really sign an enterprise licensing agreement with us and then everyone can get uh, these benefits. And this worked very well in the early days when, quite frankly, people weren't wise to that strategy and went along with it. And it can still work in some places. But there's also a lot of consternation in other parts of the business that people don't want uh, this to happen in their world. They want to have control. Uh, They have an office of vendor relations or some equivalent thing. You can only buy from these approved suppliers and getting on the list of approved suppliers is a whole process designed to weed out things that can be problematic. It can be flash in the pan technologies here today, gone tomorrow, that get bought by someone you don't want to be dealing with. Very valid reasons all. And I wonder how that ties in with this uh, increasing independence, increasing team level selection and purchase. Do you see any change in that attitude? Do you see any conflicts between those two attitudes
1: um i i think you you nailed it and as as you know we, we've done some research with the register on on this answering these very questions and um uh, you nailed it earlier um when you i've forgotten how you nailed it now how did you nail it? i know how it's you just nailed that it. good uh, but the the issue is uh often about the financing uh and the the costs and how uh, people get on top of those in advance, and when you've got a freemium model, uh, there are no costs in principle. Uh, but uh, uh, Airtable is a great example where they they actually uh, charge per row uh, of data. So uh, it's only when you hit you know ten thousand rows of data in your um, spreadsheet database thingy that uh, they'll say, "Well, actually, if you want any more rows, you are going to have to pay a lot more money." But that ten thousand is already a big number, and you're, you're pretty you're stuck. Already
0: committed. <laughs>
1: yeah, you, you're pretty. Yeah, you, you've um, you've uh, yeah you, you've taken your coat off. You've hung it on the door, and uh, and uh, the door's uh, slammed behind you at that point. So so um, uh, what we are seeing is uh, organizations facing facing that uh, oh goodness moment, and we are specifically in the research about you know is it is it that team the the kind of vendor relations team that are kind of coming down hard or you know and, and saying we need to sort this out. And the answer was no, not as much as people going, oh my goodness, this has become strategic. We better do something about it. Because they do want the support. They do want the um uh you know, it that it, it's not it I was gonna add a double negative, it it is that people are prepared to pay for service it's not that they're not prepared to pay so that if they if they're getting huge value if organizations are getting huge value out of something they'll go yeah okay it's a fair cop. we want to pay for that but we need you know we need to reduce our risk we need to uh make sure we've got the support we need we need to know what the roadmap is we need to have a proper relationship with the vendor throat to choke and all that kind of stuff uh and so that uh land and expand is also is kind of Uh, horizontal but what we're also seeing is it's vertical so it's kind of going up into the management level um and a lot of vendors um as we as we know as we we review the market don't necessarily aren't necessarily geared up they're they're either geared up to go very top down and they'll do the thought leadership papers and come to us and say write us a paper that shows that this is the best area in the world or or whatever you know that's what vendors do with analysts Uh, and um or, or they'll go at that developer kingmaker king level and, and say, use our stuff, don't tell anyone. Uh, but the bit in the middle is is kind of missed out, um, which, is, which uh, I think for the for vendors that get their head around that and get on top of that, then um, yeah, there's, there's, not, there's an opportunity there to make scaling easier for their customers and maybe make money
0: out of it in the process. And get that fabled win-win-win situation. Yeah, excellent. Now, oh, this has been... Uh... Very interesting conversation. So, thank you so much, John, for taking the time to hang out with us. And for people who want to find more about you, where should they go look?
1: Uh, well, if this is going to be titled The One with John O. Collins, N O, that's my handle on Twitter. So, that's a good place to start. Um, and. Um... Uh, uh, it's funny, actually. Very quickly, people don't follow each other anymore on Twitter, do they? Um, notice that the the follow count, or maybe it's just me. If, if people do want to get in touch with me, that's probably the easiest way.
0: Excellent. And if you want to follow the show, then you can find us on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number 4. Or in the show notes, there's also the link to our LinkedIn page. The theme music, which should be playing under my voice for All Has Gone According to Plan, is by my good friend Renato Bodhisthak. And we will be back next week with more about the cloud. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks.